Welcome to another episode of SOS VHS. I had the opportunity to interview a great comedian and actress. You know her from the Trash Tuesday podcast, from her comedy special, Hot For My Name, and from the TV shows Alone Together and Dollface. Welcome Esther Pavisky, and we're talking about her favorite movie and one of my favorite movies, Sunset Boulevard. It's the pictures. <laughs> I got small. Love the light. <laughs> Love the light. Um, well, thank you, Esther, for being here. I'm very, very excited to talk to you about one of also my favorite movies. Thank you, Max. <laughs> I love that you're dressed as low-key, possibly my favorite character. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I'm looking for a Max. <laughs> okay, that was going to be one of my questions for you. Um, but uh, first of all, when, when did you first uh, watch this movie? Okay, so... That's a great question. I'm trying to think. I think at some point in like the early days of living in LA, I wanted to really get into the mood of Hollywood. And this was one that just had never popped up on my Turner Classic Movie watching day. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I watched it probably like, you know, early 2010s. I okay. Say. So I'm kind of later to the game. Right. Okay. And what about it made an impact on you? First of all, any story that's about Hollywood is like, it just makes me feel, it makes me feel alive. And also like living in LA and now actually having been on Sunset Boulevard for some reason, like just that alone made me feel so a part of the experience of watching the movie. And, and I mean, who doesn't relate to Norma Desmond? Like, People might like look at this movie at first glance and think, oh, that's a crazy, kooky character. But like in the social media age, I'm sorry, but I do believe we are all Norma Desmond. Like there's no chance we're not. Yeah, I think it's pretty modern, uh, a modern approach to like fame and, and success. Do you think it's a, more of a, you know, a life uh, aspiration or a cautionary tale? <laughs> okay. It's obviously a cautionary tale, right? Like, mm -hmm. Norma is drunk on her own fame and success and her own image, and it has completely ruined her life, right? Like, right. you would think that she has all this money, has had all this success. Like, she's kind of... Norma is... Okay, when the movie starts, like, Norma is in this zone of life that has always been my fantasy to live in, which is, like, you have your mansion, you've already, like, hit your goals, and now you just get to, like, enjoy it. But then she can't do that. And that is, like... That's... The, the other thing about rewatching the movie this past weekend, I was like, oh, everything in this movie is grounded and true even though it's supposed to be this big fantastical story i'm like after living in la for 14 years i'm like i believe all of this all of these people are so real to me and believable and so it is a cautionary tale but at the beginning you're like i'm i can't help but be like god i want that position in life like just me and my butler <laughs> right. alone in a mansion Okay. Like I've always had that fantasy of like being locked in a master bedroom and like the hiding from the world. And I feel like because this movie came in 1950, I think people, I think a lot of people haven't seen it. How would you summarize it? What would be like, you know, how would you describe this the movie to someone who hasn't seen it? 
Um, a Hollywood legend, like a huge superstar from the silent film era. Well, wait. <laughs> no. It's hard because I'm such a Norma Desmond that I look at the movie through her perspective, <laughs> right. even though it's narrated by someone else. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But it's about uh, an out-of-work writer <laughs> who gets caught up in a whirlwind. It's not quite a romance, but he gets caught up in an entanglement with a with a fading movie star who's mentally ill. <laughs> yeah. I Yeah, I always think about the movies about her narrated by him but she's such a character like how can you not uh do do you watch do you know you said that you related to max but uh you also I've, i see some norma in you <laughs> so uh what uh, you know yeah what do you i guess like which character you do you relate more to uh to i i see myself in almost every character which is a character flaw of my own um, <laughs> in every movie I watch. Right. I, first of all, my least favorite character is Joe Gillis. Like, up until the last five minutes of the movie, he's, like, fucking everyone over. And he's kind of just, like, this fuck boy that's just, like, tall white man, tall, handsome white man that, like, mm -hmm. women are falling for. And he's acting like he's doing nothing wrong, but he doesn't really make the right decision until the end of the movie. Um, so the whole time I'm like, I hate this guy, but <laughs> I see myself in Norma because where I identify as self-obsessed, like I love posting on Instagram. I love like creating and sharing content and comedy and like putting myself out there and getting positive reinforcement from who I am and my acting And so I really understand that, like, she's been out of work for 20 years and she wants to get back to work. And, like, I totally get that. And then I also relate to Betty Schaefer because Betty Schaefer has, like, you know, if you don't know the movie, she's this, like, young, aspiring writer. And she gets so energized and excited by working with Joe Gillis. And he, he comments in the movie about, like, her young hunger And I, like, remember that and feel that at times. And so I really relate to that. And then Max, who you're dressed as, her <laughs> butler, like, he's just has the clearest objective. He's a protector and, a, like, a subservient protector. And there's something that I, like, if a, this is where I have faults with Joe, it's like, Joe, just like serve Norma out till the end of your days. Like, just do that. That's the best <laughs> case scenario for you. Um, and I understand like how if I was Max, yeah, I'd want to live in this mansion and just serve this woman and like love her. And I don't know. I think it, there's something like that I'm drawn to about that role. Yeah. I don't know how obsessed with the movie uh, you are, but when I, I mean, I, I, I saw it when I was 16 and I, I fell in love with Hollywood and all that. And I always wanted to make movies after watching this movie. Oh, my God. Um, and so, but Max is played by a silent era director called Eric von Stroheim, who was like huge, huge in the uh, German director in the in the early days of cinema. And the movie that they play uh, when Norma is, uh, you know, tells um, Joe to watch a movie that she's on, like, 
is uh, played by Gloria Swanson, but it is directed by this director. So it's like very, I mean, there's a lot of meta Hollywood in that movie. And I thought that was so fascinating. I love that. And I feel like that's something that I think of as what, cool filmmakers would do today and it's so cool that we were seeing that happen that long ago like even just Cecil B. DeMille playing himself himself and shooting one of the big his biggest success uh so yeah I think it's, it's so 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 fun uh to watch that also like I don't know if you remember the the waxworks the, the people who are playing cards her friends oh they're all yeah. like uh silent uh giants you know Buster Keaton is there like yeah. and it's like so yeah so meta for I think it's the first like very meta movie that 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 was about hollywood which when you see that happen it shows that the movie is being made by a filmmaker that one not only is so like plugged in <laughs> and has good relationships but also is like at the top of their game is well liked because those kinds of people as we know like they don't just get out of bed like to to do a cameo right unless it's like really like artistically fulfilling and so that it just adds to the layers of how this movie was like everyone knew this was special right he's a giant of the of the 50s and 40s like billy wilder um okay so i think since this is your favorite one of your favorite movies uh i want to use the D diva as a compliment yeah. uh so uh do you see yourself as a diva or do you want to be a diva and uh what's the biggest diva you you work with i mean i think Diva, look, it's a very, I think it is like a very anti-woman word. <laughs> okay. It is used so derogatory. You know, it's used in a derogatory way, but like, then there's also, yeah, that word is like hard for me because okay. I don't, I don't view Norma Desmond as a diva at all. Okay. How would you describe her? I think she's a mentally ill actress <laughs> okay but she's a star right she's like yes. larger than larger than life uh character yeah <laughs> i guess maybe diva is the right word <laughs> yeah like i i'm i wish there was not that negative connotation with it because it's i'm really struggling with that which is sad okay but le okay so let's change the word to a star okay like that like that you know, word's great okay <laughs> so do you say do you see yourself as, as a star of course i do <laughs> okay yes i have gone through eras of my life where i don't see myself that way and that was just sad and not me being myself and me being influenced by outside negative voices and um, ex-boyfriends <laughs> and people who are jealous of you and stuff. And I don't think it's bad to think of yourself as a star at mm -hmm. all. I think that that is like, you know, a positive viewing yourself in a positive way, loving yourself and being confident in who you are, you can't really do this career if you're not those things. And I tried. I tried. And sometimes I still do try, like, to be kind of little miss, like, oh, I'm not that, oh, I'm nothing, I'm small, don't look at me looking down and stuff. And my, my stage presence is not as good when I'm in that place. And so I've had to, like, really lean in and, and train. I'm working on it now on stage in my stand-up to, like, get up there and command attention and not be shy and and really believe in myself and Lucille Ball says like 
love yourself and then everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm. And for some reason that recently clicked with me, like, yeah, any issues that I've had are just because I wasn't loving myself. Because the truth is, like at the end of the film, Norma Desmond has her big moment and it's just to get arrested. And like, that's cool. Like, that's fine. And so my I bring that up because it's like, I can identify as a star and live in my parents' basement for the rest of my life and never go outside. I can still feel like a star and like be operating at the top of my creativity without an audience. I believe that. So it's it's not like, oh, you to be a star, you have to have followers and you have to be on stage. Like, I don't believe that at all. I think it's really just how do you feel about yourself? Because I in my mind, I'm like, I could spend out the rest of my days in the parents' basement working at Walgreens and like figuring, you know, making little videos and plays with my stuffed animals in the basement like that. That might be OK. That will be OK. Okay, so I have two, two questions. One, I mean, you just mentioned something that I heard you said multiple times. That is, if you weren't making it in the industry, you might be at home and, and Skooky, like working at a Walgreens. Yeah. And then you wrote a movie that had yeah, had to do with like working at Walgreens. What What's up with Walgreens? What's up with that? I think it's just that that was always my backup plan. Like when I moved to Hollywood, I was 21, and I, I mean the exact opposite of nepotism like I knew nothing about the business and so I literally thought to myself okay I'm gonna move to LA and if in one year I'm not as famous as Will Ferrell I'll move home and work at Walgreens because it was walking distance from my parents house I didn't have my own car and so that was like always the backup plan and I've always called it like my loser fantasy like that's like mm -hmm. the other version of my life um but yeah, as you know, you don't become Will Ferrell in one year. <laughs> right. And there never will be another Will Ferrell. And I don't know why that's who I wanted to be, but... <laughs> uh, but yeah, what what is what was your first, uh, you know, how do you got your first break when you moved to LA, right? You drop out of college. You didn't know anyone in the industry. Decided to be a comedian, which is like oh, not an easy career. And like the, I guess the rate of success is not that great. Uh, how did you kept like going and how do you get your first break? I basically just did open mics like it's kind of boring you know it's the same stuff every comedian has uh, shared mm -hmm. but like I I showed up here wanting to be an actress and quickly realized you can't just show up to Hollywood and like there's no way and so I realized the only way that I could like do things on my own I didn't have friends I couldn't do an improv team was just to by by doing stand-up and I was at a bar one night with uh, my roommate at the time and I was just being really goofy, making fun of my roommate and like acting all wild. And then the owner of the bar came up to me and she was like, you're so funny. You should do stand up. And I was like, I moved here yesterday to do that. And I don't know where to do it. And she's like, I've heard of the comedy store. And so then the next day I went there and like brought my resume and tried to get hired. And they were like, we don't hire <laughs> girls as door as like they, they didn't want to hire me. They don't they didn't hire comedians as waitresses. And that was. The only Don't job a woman could get was waitress mm. at the time. So I just kind of hung out there until. But, uh, but who saw you or what was the first the, the thing that said, okay, I can do this? I, okay. So there's no one ever gave me the feeling like I can do this. Like that always came from inside. I was never looking for that outside. But I do remember I, I, I was trying to get a job there. It was the first night I was there. 
and I was asking people like, how can I get a job here? And someone said, I don't, some guy who just was there, you know, like probably an audience member was like, I think, doesn't Polly Shore own this? And I was like, who's that? Cause I'd never heard of him. He's like, well, he's right over there. And so I walked up to him and I was like, hi, I'm Esther. Like, how can I get a job here? And then he like grabbed my hand and was like, oh my God, you're like a little doll. And he walked me up to the talent coordinator and just like introduced me. So that was the first moment there at the store. And then I like, I remember like maybe a year into doing stand up, I had this meeting with these producers and they were like, they were like, oh, so we're really interested in you because you really have a voice. And I was like, they think I can sing? <laughs> like, I, oh my God. And then I didn't even know what that meant to have a voice. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I mean, I just moved here as the biggest idiot on the planet, which I think was probably for the best because then it left me with no way to like be calculating or make plans. I just existed. Right. And, and yeah. Yeah. Do you think that you need to be a little delusional to <laughs> make it into this business? I do. Because obviously moving here in, and trying to make it is delusional. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think you can't really do that if you're not delusional. Yeah. If you have everything planned out, it's not going to work out. Yeah. And also in high school, my theater teacher he was just he said to me like if you have a plan b you'll use it yeah and that really freaked me out and i was like okay i'm not gonna do that right i was like oh that makes sense yeah cool yeah 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 that's in insane i always thought it was i was smarter than everybody else and that i was gonna move to la and immediately i was gonna make these big movies and all that because of course everybody else wasn't as smart and But then you come here and like oh wait a second no there's wow this is a whole new level of people and Yeah, but there so is many. truth to that because it's like you are very smart and there are a lot of dumb people here. Yeah, but like I feel like that delusional thing has to be there or like if you look at it objectively, it's going to be, wait, and I don't know anyone and nobody, you know, you know, all those people who have connections that will make it like a little past you. Yes. And it's so frustrating. Yes, but <laughs> I've learned recently that like if you don't really have the vision and the story to tell and it's not really coming from deep inside you and if if you're like just manufacturing something fake and you don't have that true artistic spirit and that creativity it's like it's never really gonna hit and so it's better to be on the longer <laughs> journey right and like because when I think of myself and my stand-up and like over the last decade I'm like I hate everything I've ever said or done up until this last like 30 seconds like I it's ta it takes a long time to become someone who like has something to say I yeah don't know. are you very self-critical with the stuff that you have done in the past like do can you watch your special and say oh yeah I'm proud of that or I that's a good question I think I'm actually less self-critical than most people In fact, like, I remember I went to this test show for the David Spade talk show, and it was me, Bobby, and Andrew. And we we all, like, it didn't go great, right? And we walked out of there, and Bobby and Andrew, I've never seen two grown men, like, whimper, like, little <laughs> babies. Like, they were so upset. They're like, oh, my God, we bombed. Like, that was so bad. And I was like... I don't know what you guys are talking. Who cares? Like, I just didn't care. Mm -hmm. And 
I've like, so I try to really lean towards like, who, like things can go bad. That's okay. And maybe that's, you know, Britney Spears's uh, influence on me when she did her 2008 VMAs performance of Gimme More and it was bad. And she said some, some performances are good and some are bad. And, um, back to your question, I look back at my series alone together and I think it's awesome. I think it's like so funny and cute and honest and of that time period. And like a we really dug in and told our story and it has some funny jokes and, but I don't, I'm like, Oh, that was great. And I look at my standup special and I'm like, ugh, my delivery sucked, but whatever. It's cute. You know? So I think there's some credit critical thought there, but I also try to be like, proud of it. you know nothing's nothing is perfect except sunset boulevard <laughs> right hi everyone are you a bad friend ever wanted a place to talk trash on a tuesday with others or a stage to show off your tiger belly face tattoo or maybe you just need somewhere to talk about movies you could not live without right so you are in luck i have big news for you 7X is launching a Discord server and you are invited. Oh, that is big news. So come, share with us your favorite memes, tell us what you ate last night, or even give us unsolicited opinion about the TV show that you love and we haven't seen yet. We can't stop you. So click the link in the description below and join the fun. I'll be there giving a whole load of health and wellness tips. <laughs> I'll see you there. Seven Aki's Discord. Now, Andres, I got a bone to pick with you. You have to stop saying that. Never. Back to, back to the movie. And I, I mean, I want to go back to a lot of the things that you said, but just to include something fun. So the movie opens with a, a guy, you know, who's drowned in a, in a pool. And I, you, and I know that you cannot swim. <laughs> uh, is this something that uh, has, uh, are you worried about drowning? And, and why can't you swim? No one ever taught me to swim or ride a bike. Um, I was watched, not raised. I was kept safe in a room and no one interacted with me. <laughs> and I also think I was a very difficult kid. And so if I like resisted wanting to learn how to swim or scared of the pool, my parents were just like, okay, forget it then. So they didn't like push it, but I'm not, a, I'm actually not afraid of drowning because I never go near water. <laughs> okay. Like I'm, I have systems built in place to protect me from drowning. <laughs> I'm scared of dry drowning. Have you heard of that? I have not. There was an you... Oprah about it in the early 2000s. And it's like when little kids would like go into water and then breathe in the water in their lungs and then drown like hours later. Oh. But then I researched it and it's only ever happened like once in the world. So it's probably not going to happen <laughs> to anyone ever again. Are, are you a hypochondriac? I used to be and then I started taking Lexapro. <laughs> okay. So now I'm okay. <laughs> Okay. And yeah, I, I also heard you say a couple of times this. I, I love that that phrase, but uh, of that you you weren't raised, you were watched. Yeah. And I imagine that. Uh, so what was, how does your relationship with your parents and your upbringing have to do with your career path and, and I guess your where you are today? I think it's all really, like my, when those people pulled me in a room and told me I had a voice, that all just comes from the way I was brought up and like having, I have like anxious attachment and that like makes me have this very clear point of view on dating, which is like always, a, you're always getting dumped and always like 
suspicious of the guy and like wanting to spy on him. So I think for everyone, like however your parents raised you or didn't raise you is like how how you are operating in the world today. And so for me, it's just I'm doing that like while trying to make people laugh kind of at me. Not I kind of my laughs are at me, which I prefer. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, I I mean, I guess Norma has something of that, you know, that um, she grabs, you know, to his, he, nobody leaves a star. That's one of her lines, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, but you, you mentioned, um, so your, your, your parents and I uh, watching your special and they're very critical. And you mentioned in your special that, uh, you know, kind of like failure doesn't really phase you, that you were yeah. so used to not getting, I guess, uh, validation yeah at the same time like as an actor and a comedian you're always looking for validation you know yeah. like externally so uh for example do, are you afraid of bombing or is something that does not, not at all not at all and in fact so my parents don't think i have any talent except my mom says my talent is getting what i want and my dad says my talent is handling rejection because this is so this is a common theme too that like i've seen amongst like theater kids we talk <laughs> us theater kids in, the, in america talk about this <laughs> Tell me if you've like heard of this concept, but basically like all the kids in your high school who got the lead role all the time, mm -hmm. the second they go out in the real world, they cannot handle the rejection and they quit. But then there's a girl and boys, girls like me, who never got the lead, always tried, never gave up, always was cast as like a tree or a chorus girl. Right. We go out in the real world and people say, no, you're ugly. No, no, no. You're not funny. You're not pretty enough. Like we can handle it and we keep going. And so that's why I think like re just getting used to rejection is a life skill. And I know it's kind of like almost embarrassing to tout that because it's like, oh, you must suck. But I I'm like, you have to get a million no's to get one yes. And I also was a child actor for one year. Um, I did like commercial auditions and stuff in Chicago. And I remember when I was like in fourth grade, the agent sat me down. And she's like, go into every audition like it's yours already and then leave like it never happened. Forget about it. Love it. Yeah. And so that always really stuck with me and helped me. And also they also would tell you that for every 100 auditions, you might get one. And so that, you know... So your brain was was prepared. Yeah. Because I think it's, a, I mean, I ha I deal with a lot of like younger people too that want to make it in the business. And I think that everybody's so fragile and I'm trying to tell them like that you, they have to build that like thick skin and that you cannot be all personal and that you can, you know, that it's not about you. It's like, you know, you have to be able to move past. But I haven't seen it successfully like you know it's always like yeah you pretend that it doesn't affect you and then you go cry but it looks like with you it's like no you you can handle it really well totally i mean that doesn't mean though that there's not like roles i really want that i don't get and then i'm right. like oh you know i really wanted that but <sighs> these days i don't there's nothing i get that i don't care about anything <laughs> yeah if anybody's casting for a skeleton can you guys let me know <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so Joe, uh, the protagonist, he's a writer. He has made a couple B-movies. He's a little down on his luck, but he's a mediocre writer. He's not a super talented guy. Um, 
and it looked like you know he has a hard time making it into the business and all that on the other hand i think you're living in a moment where like you know you you had a a lot of success but podcast tv your stand-up comedy you know and and i read that a couple years ago when all of that was happening at the same time that at the same time you were feeling unfulfilled or depressed or like not yeah not happy with all that success and i guess my question is like do you think there is um you know is achieving your goals something that uh doesn't fulfill you or that that idea that you will never achieve your goals that they you keep moving that finish line forever so I learned a very valuable lesson when I like achieved all of the things I wanted to achieve, which at the time was a stand-up special, was being cast, you know, as the funny friend on a sitcom, which was at the time with Dollface. Um, I learned that all your dreams coming true does not fix your problems. It doesn't make you wake up and suddenly your childhood wounds are healed and like you love yourself. It doesn't happen. And that seems like a very basic lesson at this point because I think it's been talked about so much in our culture, I I hope. Um and and also like again, I was so at still that person that like it was the same brain that thought I would become Will Ferrell in a year. It was so I was so naive to think that like I would get these like these goals done and then that would be it and it's almost relates to norma desmond because it's like you look at norma and you're like why can't she just enjoy the mansion and you're like it doesn't work that way Mm -hmm. um but i would say now i'm in a much better place because it's not about the achievements at all like i i don't seek uh reward from achievement I seek reward and pleasure from the effort I put into my creativity so I've like protected myself from that sort of delusion of thinking that like the role or the money or anything is gonna like fix me it's more like oh my god I wake up and I'm thinking about I'm, I'm watching a set from last night and I'm like thinking about a joke and I'm uh thinking just about like what's an idea for social media or like putting an outfit together. I know that that's something that maybe sounds frivolous, but that's really fun for me right now. Um, And so to me, it's all about, I hate to use the J word, but the journey, not the destination. And that has really shifted and changed the game for me. That's very healthy yeah. approach to it. I feel like, yeah, this business like breaks people a lot and even like success cannot, you know, can make people like turn into people they didn't want to be. Uh, not just money, but yeah. Well, I guess what was, what would be your definition of success? Um, creative fulfillment. Like getting on stage, ta- saying a, a new bit, performing a new bit, and me loving how it went and i and like i actually saw this advice this was social media advice that i thought was really wise someone said like know how you feel about your post or your video before you post it because whether people love it or hate it like know what you really feel beforehand because that's all that should matter and i'm in a place now where that is all that matters like I am here to share with the world what's inside here and I'm not like chasing a reward for it. I just want to get it out there and share. And by the way, like that is how 
that's where the best stuff comes from. It's like me talking recently, I've been talking a lot about on stage and on podcasts, like how in, when I was like 10 in the 90s, I would like try to cyber sex with people in AOL chat rooms. And like the way people are responding to that is like they relate to it. They're, it's, I'm right. sharing this like shameful, embarrassing thing and they're feeling less shame about it too. And that, that's cool. That's where I'm like, yeah, like I showed up to, to do my role in like the world and the culture. Like that's what I'm about. Do you always want to be a comedian or like an actress that is in the comedy world or like you want to be an actor or a performer that would do anything? Yeah, I just want to like be myself and share myself. And sometimes that might mean like morphing into a role if the right thing comes along. And sometimes it's podcasting and just laughing, having fun with the girls on Trash Tuesday. Um, so I, I'm not of the type that's like, I'm just a stand-up or I'm just an actor. Like right now there's the writer strike. So I'm going so much harder into my stand-up and loving it. Right. And that's just because of the way of the world right now a yeah. little bit. I actually wanted to ask you about your writing. I mean, the movie's about a writer. Uh, I have written a few movies. What's your, your process, your writing process? How would you, you know, describe it? What is the thing that makes you you know, the fire, I guess, to, to write. Yeah, it's basically all the things that we just talked about. It's like, is it something that I'm really excited? And also where I feel like it's going to pour out of me. And I'm, I'm like with the show alone together, that was the easiest, most fun thing to write because it was just writing my like fish out of water experience of being in L.A. from the Midwest and not fitting in. And I was so excited to share that experience with the world and so it's it, I need that sort of like that excitement and that spark and collaborating I really like writing with other people um because then it's just like hanging out and laughing almost yeah I mean this business is very collaborative yeah I think writing is the only aspect where you could be more of a loner if you if you are um do you ever write with your boyfriend since he's a writer um no but we have been talking lately about like possibly stuff And he was on set for the filming of my movie Drugstore June. And he was kind of like, when he was available, he would be like our on-set writer and pitch jokes and stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Do you guys read each other's like materials and give notes? Or do you keep like kind of like the creative, your, your professions and your lives are separate? It's like both. Like sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. I yeah. think, but I do low-key think that Like, I have this joke in the back of my head that's like, okay, one day he's we're going to write something <laughs> together. And, like, that's why I'm dating him, <laughs> even though we're engaged and it's been 10 years. But I'm like, no, I'm going to, we're going to, he's, it's very much at home. I feel like I love Lucy. Like, I'm Lucy and he's Ricky. And I'm like, uh -huh. let me be in showbiz. Like, write me a show. Um, so, yeah, maybe. Are you competitive with him? Not at all. Not at all. Or him with you? No. No. no you know, no. you're more famous or more successful or nothing. No, maybe in like a joking way, but I've been in those relationships where people are right. competitive and it's like, that's, if you're in something like that, that's not a relationship get out. That is like, yes, the people who are in your life should love you and want you to succeed. <laughs> right. Otherwise, like get them out. It's 
Yeah, I think it's difficult when two creatives are together because I feel like on one hand you understand each other and you know that it's not quote unquote normal people. Like you need your time alone. You need to, I don't know, like yeah. things that are, are difficult for other people who are in different yes. walks of life. But on the other hand, I've seen a lot of people who are like, okay, now this person has, uh, one writer friend of mine said that, you know, uh, searching for success, bring people together but success actually bring people apart because in the journey of like fighting everybody, it's like being an open micer, right? Like all of them are on the same level and they're your friends, but now one of them makes it and then it's like, oh, wow, now. You're cut, you're right. Like there is no avoiding that. It right. is just this human nature thing. Yeah. I mean, do you, is does your wife, is she cr creative at all in this way? I mean, she she's not in our world of, at all so she's she's in you know she's uh, an epidemiologist so okay. i mean her way to pitch herself to me was like oh have you seen contagion i'm i'm kay winslet i'm like oh I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a virus detective i was like okay what is that you know and then with the pandemic and all that everybody kind of knows what what that profession is but yeah we're we're so different in yeah. that way that we never had any sort of you know competitiveness yeah okay that's but cool. i've i've seen that close and it's like interesting to watch sometimes it's painful to see you know people together that want the same thing yeah <laughs> that is really scary that that so makes me feel unsafe inside right <laughs> um so your comedy special is just your comedy special is called uh, hot uh, for my name and I heard you joking about your name many times. Do you do you feel any type of way about your name? Yeah. So <laughs> Esther is an old lady name, and like growing up, the only time I saw that represented in TV or film was like the really old old grandma or like the really ugly girl. Like it's just not a hot name. Uh, now that I'm older, I love it because I'm like, oh, it's different. I'm not just another Rachel, even though a lot of guys call me Rachel for some reason. Uh, but I definitely love it and appreciate it now, but hated it. Also, Growing up, you hated it. So embarrassing and like <laughs> really struggled too because my mom didn't like my name either. So the name was my dad's mom's name. And he, my dad said like, no matter what the kid's name is going to either be Esther or Abraham, one of his parents, because they had passed away. And so my mom just like hated both names, but for some reason just had to go along with it. So yeah, like, very religious. Um, are you religious? No, no, not at all. Right. I used to do a joke on stage about how I didn't go to Hebrew school because my dad's so Jewish, he didn't want to pay for it, <laughs> which is true. <gasps> really funny. Yeah, I really enjoyed your relationship with your parents. Uh, how did they feel after watching the special again? I, I was left like asking, how do they feel about it when they watch it? Are they you know do they change their perspective about you like, no they love it they, they, love, they it. love the special they love themselves <laughs> in it my dad will rewatch it and be like oh my god you have to see your mom in the conference room scene look at how she's breaking up it's so funny like they yeah they're very self-aware they know who they are like yeah they're cool with it and is your has your relationship with them changed now that you are i guess like I think I also read that you, you know, you grew up with a older sister that didn't let you in her room. Yeah. Uh, and now that you are your own person, you know, and you're successful and like, I guess like you don't need that validation anymore. Has that changed your relationship with your family? Not really. <laughs> like definitely 
they still view me the same way, which is comforting in a way. Like right. I don't want to be treated differently. I don't, I, I'm very, even though it seems like I really want to be like Norma Desmond, you <laughs> right. know, I definitely love being down here. Like right. I, that's where I was my whole life. That's like the role I always was. I was the youngest in the household. Right. I was like the short twerp the little sibling and so i still like that and when people put me like high up it's, it makes you uncomfortable um which i don't know if that that's something that i need to work on like wanting to be equals with people and not far below them but mm-hmm. i i mean i made a movie with at that time a super young actress called jenna ortega now I she, know. she blew up and all that but one of the things that i realized is like her parents were very um very grounded and she would go home and she had a lot of silence and like oh no it's your turn to you know like she's on tv and she's doing that but no you have to do the dishes now and you have to like take the trash out so she wasn't a star in her home and i think like that kept her really really like nice and grounded and never you know in being so young i think it's it's helpful that your parents keep you like that yeah well that's like this whole secret to stardom it's not being surrounded by 12 assistants <laughs> and like right. no actually like that's that's a fantasy like i think you want to like i always think about like mila kunis because i've heard her talk in interviews it's like she cooks for her family she does the laundry like right that's the way to having a balanced happy life yeah you don't want to like think that you're above normal tasks because then your brain like your brain needs to fold laundry you know like that's good for us so i'm i definitely thought like oh my god like i need to be like a famous pop star level like i don't do any of this stuff for myself it's like that's crazy and it's not a sustainable lifestyle that leads to norma you know if you or yeah. like that, you treat it like that all the time, then you start believing that, you know, like Michael Jackson or whatever, like you need to close a supermarket to go and shop to feel, oh, this is what normal people do when you're so disconnected with real life. That And I do feel bad for those people because <laughs> the people who became so famous, they are like victims of it. Like it does suck. They didn't know better. They were treated like gods and who wouldn't? go along with that right like look at elvis like his life is such a tragedy and it it it's it shouldn't have been that way but nobody knew better yeah what's the level of fame if you could choose like you know that you would like to be at i don't i i'm good right here okay (laughs) yeah perfect yeah Um, and do you know many maxes in in town no, but I know a lot of Joes. <laughs> you know a lot of Joes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, me 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 too. Uh, I think Max is a rare <laughs> like he, that's someone who's really going to devote their entire life to you. I have not found one of those yet, but if <laughs> do, I do, do you did, want one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um So, uh when when Joe first meets Betty, uh she bluntly criticizes him and his writing. Do you feel attracted to people like that criticize you? And uh, is that your relationship with your boyfriend? <laughs> okay, a little bit. Yeah, I do like a little bit of criticism. Yeah, I don't know what that's about, but isn't I guess is that everybody? I think it's like uh, the thing that keeps you real, like you were saying. I think it all ties together, and like 
yeah, if everybody is like saying yes to me, like, you know, I might lose my footing and that way it's like, oh, I always can improve or I can always do something better. I think it's good. It's difficult to criticize people too. Like meaning like, I think in real life, like your friends usually, they have to be really close to give you real like criticism. Usually. Even though you're right, it is hard. It's really hard. It's hard to to give criticism and it's also hard to find it. Yeah. Like no one is going to want to sit me down and tell me what's bad about my standup. Right. No one is going to want to do that. Yeah. I mean, maybe like nameless people on the internet, people who are just screen names who just right. want to not like it, but like to get also like even just to get really good notes on a script is really, really hard. Yes. And so I do think that is what's what I like about my relationship at home with Dave. It's like he'll be like i don't think that's very good he'll be like what's the joke there's no joke there like he's right. very keeps keeps it very real Honest. um which i think makes for like a sustainable life but right. yes there's definitely i'm so guilty of it it's like there's people whose work i just don't think is good and i don't know how to handle it or what to say i don't know if it's helpful to just stay quiet if it's helpful like that's a really tricky position and it's almost you almost just got to like let the artists grow on their own. They're either going to grow and hone their craft or they're going to give up. And like, that's not really. Yeah. That's not useful to the other person. It's very difficult. I have found myself in that situation many times when like, also I'm trying to I guess gauge if the person is asking for honest feedback yeah. to improve or just support, because it's a different thing. If you're just, just you know, you, you just want people to say it was great. You know, that's different than if you're oh, ca how can I improve it? Like, it doesn't matter if it's a script, a stand-up, a uh, set or a movie or whatever. And it is, I found it incredibly difficult to find those people who are actually going to say, no, I think this doesn't work or I think this Yeah, works. but it is very important and valuable. I was just, I forgot if this was in like The Art of War or what book this <laughs> was in. Or no, The, the War of Art, sorry. <laughs> um but like you kind of do need a little bit of coaching. Like you need someone to look at your work and give you a little bit of feedback yeah, on it. Perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So it is healthy to seek that out, but it's hard to <laughs> figure out what's the right relationship for that. Right. Um, so oh, what what is your favorite moment in the in the movie? Do you have a favorite moment? <sighs> I okay. I love when Joe does, when he pulls up and discovers the house and discovers Norma and she like looks out the window at him and she's like, you get in here, you know? And mm -hmm. I love that moment. I love when Norma calls Betty Schaefer to be like, you know, to, to just kind of tell her off and tell her to not to stay away from Joe. Mm -hmm. I like her moments of possession over him and I like, yeah, I think like the best parts of the movie are when they're Joe and Norma are together. What about you? What's your favorite? I love that moment when she stands up and uh, watching the movie and saying like how stars now are so small and the, the light of the projector lights her up and it's like, I think such an iconic image, but the, the ending, love the ending. But yeah, she's such a, powerful perf performer and it's also funny how like she wasn't like that in real life at all she was like a super happy actor like working on tv she ha she had her time her prime time was in the 20s in the silent uh era gloria swanson but she was a super happy 
uh, wealthy really? person. And uh, she was, you know, I think Billy Wilder tried to cast Greta Garbo and, and more famous people at the time and everybody passed on it. And then, I mean, I think, um, I forgot who told her, like one of her friends, like I think it was Frank Capra or some some big director said like, you know, you're going to be remembered by this. And yeah, she is. It's like such a... Awesome. It's such a good performance because it it's both grounded and big. Yeah. Like that is impossible to achieve. And I I didn't realize this, but did you know that the movie was categorized as a dark comedy? I think because everything he did, he worked so much in comedy, right? That all the movies like The Apartment and like they're like all they all have some humor in it. I mean, Joe is very sarcastic. There's like this punchline yeah. that he says, but I, uh, yeah, I think it's such a big drama that I like, know. Me too. I never detected it as a comedy, but then I, when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, it is funny when she's like, "Have you noticed I lost half a pound since Tuesday?" <laughs> right. I'm like, There's that's the, kind of jokey. It has a lot of sarcasm, I think, like, and and a lot of like, I guess it's, it's a satire of the business. Uh, although it is, like you say, a pretty accurate portrait uh <laughs> totally like don't you 100 percent feel that that is realistic that this woman would fall in love with him and want to control him and buy him things and also feel like this guy joe who like needs money would just try to take advantage of this old woman oh. until he can't take it anymore and yeah. needs to get out and like everything feels so grounded and real and then even just like the moment where he escapes to that new year's eve party with all the young people yeah where he was like, I just need to be around young, happy people. Yeah, and he's dressed with, I mean, everybody's looking at how he's dressed and all of that. And he, yeah, it's a, it's a, I completely understand him. Yeah. Would you, you know, would you do to survive and, you know. Yeah, I do tragic. understand it, but I get really mad because I feel bad for Norma. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's tragic for all of the characters. Yes. You no, know, because also Max, he's in love with this, uh, he was his first wife whenever she was like those 20, okay those are also my favorite moments it's almost like that alfred hitchcock <laughs> like twist moments where you learn like the dark twist that he was her first husband <laughs> like that i i love like a juicy dramatic <laughs> yeah 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 and he fits constantly her illusions to keep her like going um yeah, it's a. I know. I don't know. I think it's a super powerful uh, movie. Like the narration, everything. Also, in terms of like the movie making part, I always love the photography. The, the fact that it starts with a with a dead guy telling a story. I never see yeah. that. Uh, that is like an underrated. Well, probably not underrated, but for me, like I never think about that moment. But when I think about movies that I love, they have to start so hot and big like my i always say my favorite kind of movie is a movie that starts with a bank robbery like i always think of the dark night or what's the movie dog days uh, dog day afternoon dog day afternoon like uh, and to me i know this isn't a bank robbery but it's like dead man in a pool what's going on yeah it's very dramatic it takes you in because i'm i'm like everyone else, like I get bored really easily. And so I just want a big, yeah, splashy Yeah, it's very start. modern in that way. I think like every yeah. movie now, it starts with a little like hot opening thing and then it goes back to slow narration. Um, I don't know if you know that the movie opened actually with the corpse being dragged into the um, corners and then all the dead bodies would start talking to each other. But people laugh so hard on the test screenings that then it, it kind of broke the the... the 
the mood of the movie or the the tone and then they they change it for that Wait, opening. really yeah it's kind of interesting i never seen that opening but i read about it i would love to see that <laughs> right that Wait, sounds really corpse is talking <laughs> <laughs> right indeed <laughs> um so another thing that i heard you said a lot and that i i saw in norma is that you have uh thrive on jealousy and i guess my question is, is it that bad or was it that bad? And would you ever kill anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I really feel for Norma. She's in love with this guy, even though it was very one-sided the whole time. <laughs> I I get why she shot him. Like, I do get it. Um, and I wish that he would have just <laughs> left, or you know, earlier in the film before she was too in love with him. But... Yes, I'm very I used to be very jealous in relationships and very possessive and so I very much relate to that. But now I've learned <laughs> after I've worked on myself and mm -hmm. like you can't like have you can't be too attached to other people, but Norma could not handle rejection. Like him leaving made it challenged her reality of her being a star that no one would ever leave right and so she had no choice like the only way to keep her reality working right was to kill him it's like babe i get it <laughs> i get it and is your jealousy only related to like um i guess uh relationships or you are you jealous of anyone these days I think it's very much like a romantic, possessive, jealousy thing. I see. That that's really where where I where that part of me lived. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Did you ever feel like you know coming up on your stand up like if someone wasn't as funny as you but made it before you or like did you have that type of oh thing? yeah of course like and of like, course you're I mean I think like you're always gonna go through those phases where you're like comparing, comparing yourself to other people. You're like, Oh my God, like they're so unoriginal <laughs> and they're so, they're just famous cause they're pretty or, uh, mm. you know, all these things like totally like, yes, of course that I don't understand how anyone could exist in this field and not have those experiences and those feelings. Yeah. You know, of course, like, yeah, you have to really like just keep your eyes on your own paper. Yeah. And really practice that and live that because that's kind of the only thing that matters anyway. Yeah, I think it's difficult, but I agree 100% that it's, just, it's so easy to compare yourself and to feel like something, you know, it's all this, you know, like this also, director made it at 26. And, oh, uh, yeah. Like, you know. Oh, this, totally. It's like, bitch, I'm 35. Like <laughs> right. people are <laughs> right. 22 and they have everything. But I remember when I was younger, you know, I, I really... Like, we did not have a lot of money growing up. And I remember my dad would always say, like, if I wanted something that we couldn't afford, he would say, like, look, there's always going to be people who have more than you. And there's always going to be people who have less than you. And that has really stuck with me. It's like, oh, whenever I even get a pinch of any kind of feelings, I'm like, hey, girl, like, always <laughs> yeah. people way ahead, always people way. So just, like, be grateful for where you're at and just stay on your path. Yeah. Easier said than done, for sure. But with practice, like anyone can get in that mindset, I believe. Yeah, I have to go through the same thing of like, yeah, I can't. I have to just focus on my own lane and let, you know, people do their own thing because if not, it's going to be torture. Yeah. Uh, um, okay, so in the movie, there's a scene where like, uh, that you kind of mentioned before, where like Norma goes through this insane beauty, beauty routine 
And I was wondering, do you have a beauty routine? No. In fact, that is my the most sad moment of the movie for me. I hate that. Like, I love it, but it makes me really sad because she does all these, like, facial treatments and, like, you know, the face mask. And mm-hmm. I don't... I hosted a, a beauty podcast for three years, and I don't believe in any... I don't believe in any skincare stuff. I think it is all like marketing, all just trying to make money and prey on like people's insecurities. I'm sure some of it is scientifically backed, but I'm like, I don't care. I'm my thing is like, I'm dealing with the looks that I have. I'm going to make the most of these and not be desperate because that's like, again, that's like such a sad part of it is like her desperation to look younger and more beautiful. Well, Gosh, if I see that, I'm like, ah, normally, like, you're so much more than than your looks. You're like, you've lived this fascinating life. And it, if you could just tap into reality and discuss and talk, you would be so interesting and you'd have so much validation through that way rather than just like trying to have perfect skin. Right. But if you, I mean, even today, if you're a woman and you are a performer of sorts, you have to deal with some sort of like comments like and i'm not even saying the mob online or all that but like like you know things were like you're too tall or too short or you're too skinny or too fat or you're too blonde or for you know to get a role and like so i guess like you deal with this the same way that you get deal with any other rejection yeah i mean for years people would say well you're not skinny enough to be the pretty girl and you're not fat enough to be the fat (laughs) girl so you need to figure it out like you need to pick one um you know at the open mic someone i would try to get on stage and someone's like i have to put the other girl up she's prettier than you like totally yes and it's kind of funny i don't I, it didn't get through you. No, who get, who cares? Like everyone, I also believe like everyone is ugly. Everyone is hot. Like you are what you want to be. Um, yeah. And how, how would you teach that to, I mean, I see a lot of like younger people, like not even related to the industry, but that all of those comments like really tear people down. And there's like a lot of like, you know, they go through very dark, you know faces at you know 15 or 16 where like everybody's telling them that you know these ideals of beauty they they are not conformed to that yeah so what what would be your your advice or how would you i always look at it like if i want a hundred people to like me i have to also agree to the deal that a hundred people will hate me that's like the deal I've signed up for. And in order to find those 100 people who really like me, I'm going to also meet those 100 people who don't like me. And that's just the way it is. And I can't change it. And that's the deal I'm making. I'm signing up and I'm work. I'm doing it. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Like there's no, no, because you know what? Nobody, sorry, my nose is running. Um, very hot um, of me. nobody is loved by everyone nobody is hated by everyone like that there's this great old ad it's like from an ad agency like back in the day it was like i can't tell you how to be successful but i can tell you how to fail try to please everyone so that has really helped me and also the haters helped me because i'm like oh People are going to hate me no matter what. Yeah. So I might as well be exactly who I am, exactly who I want to be, true to myself. I can't like fake fit into some kind of mold. Like I just have to exist as myself because either way I'm going to get hate. I might as well get hate for like being true to who I am and how I'm comfortable and happy. Yeah. 
Also, do you think like in Hollywood, like people like would trade power and like wealth and for love? And uh, do you think that people make that that choice? Like, well, in the movie, Joe definitely uh, is making that choice, and then decides to you know at the very end, kind of like I make it. But uh, do you think like that's that's what you see around? What do you mean? Like people would rather sacrifice their relationships or their like the chance for like having like love in order to get, you know, the role or the. Yeah, I, I'm sure like it's hard for me to put myself in that in those shoes because I'm in a relationship. But I do think that when I moved here to L.A., I was not seeking that and I was not prioritizing that and that did not matter to me. Like, I just wanted my career. So I think in that sense, like, yeah, prioritizing yourself mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, I, I don't, but is that what you asked? I don't know. Yeah, no, I guess it's like, would you sacrifice love for your career? But what does that mean? You're, would you put, so... The rate of success in terms of like marriages and relationships and people who are very career focused or very, you know, yeah. like, it's, it's lower because like, oh, you would take the movie and then you, you know, like, I don't know, when Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem uh, got married, they decided to work less. And if someone is working, the other one is not working. So they go to. I see what you're saying. Um my career comes before that for sure like and but we're both like that we're on the same page it's like if there's any kind of job where like you know he's gonna go out of town there's no question like you do that like that comes first mm -hmm. because those are our values i don't know yeah like and w i think because we're on the same page it works but i think if one person was and one wasn't that wouldn't work right i think that's why it, it works well that you guys are both on the same in the same world yeah that, you know but i firmly believe like nothing gets in the way of like my passion and what i want to do creatively like that is yeah no yeah <laughs> that's really important to me right no i think like if not you would resent the other person probably if you like if they are in the way of you getting What you want. yeah exactly yes yeah and also you can't control uh, like i could never be like no you can't do that like right that's never gonna that would backfire that's that's what backfired on norma right she tried to control joe right. and he hated her right if she would have just been chill and maybe all would have worked out right um okay fin final question uh what is your favorite Nor norma quote I am big. It's the pictures that got small. I like that one. Love that. Um, I'm a star. Nobody ever leaves a star. <laughs> Any others What do you, that you like? Oh, I love a lot of them, but she says at one point, like, you know, we used to have faces, you know, now uh, everybody has to ruin it with talking, talking, talking. I can say anything with my face. Or like the final, you know, like, ready i'm ready for my close-up yeah mr demille which is misquote but it's such a pop culture thing i think people know the quote but they don't know the movie yeah no it's true i knew the quote long before i knew the movie right um all right okay so we have a couple little like game things okay. that we do and then we'll we'll wrap up uh so 
Does this skeleton want to ask Esther some questions? Here we go. <laughs> okay, Are this is kind ready? of our, our trivia, our trivia <gasps> to see how well oh you know God, your, your favorite movie. Okay. <laughs> ready. Ready. What is the name of Betty's fiance? Artie. Correct. Okay. Yay. Wow. Which I feel bad for him. He yeah. seems great. <laughs> I want her to. That feels very real to me too. Like, I know. I, 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 I experienced those moments where like, hey, he's your best friend, right? Like you see them and it's like they are good together, but then there is a, an attraction here that you will see how it's going to develop. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> he is, Artie's awesome. Like <laughs> right. he's funny. He's really funny and likable. Yeah. I, I noticed that this past time rewatching it, like, oh, he's not some like idiot. He's right. actually like great. Yeah. What is the name of Joe Gillis's baseball movie that Betty harshly critiques? Oh, shit. <laughs> Does it have the word summer in it? <laughs> Something to do with sports. Uh, you know, anything that has to do with sports, I tune <laughs> you out. You just out? It just, yeah. it's all the, what is it? I don't know. Bases loaded. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would have never. I don't clock that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> what actor played Joe Gillis? William Holden? Yeah. Which he's like a big star, right? He was after this movie. He, oh. He wasn't a big star. I think like uh, Billy Wilder won a Fred McMurray, who was the, his star in Double Indemnity, which is another movie that I love. Uh, oh, wait. Love that movie. <laughs> what is that about? Double Indemnity is about this insurance um, agent who falls in love with this oh my god Patel. i just started watching it and then fell asleep and i need i was like i need to watch this yeah dave's dad was making us watch it uh, I, yeah it's, it's a beautiful movie i love okay that's i'm watching <laughs> that tonight i'm excited all right how many times has norma desmond been married fuck fuck i know that this is interesting because I know Max says that he was her first husband, but then I can't think of other husband references. He only mentions one, once, I think, that he said like she was married three times, right? Uh, That's correct. Yeah. That seems like Andres the right... Win. <laughs> three is like the the, the the right number for divas. <laughs> right. Kim is on... Kim did three. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, okay. At a clothing store, Joe Gillis is encouraged by the salesman to get what kind of coat... Is it wool or some special type of wool? Look, I, I think I want to mispronounce it, but I've been obsessed with this because I've never seen something like that. Because they, I think they offer her, her camel hair and then he chooses like something like Bikunian, Bikunian. I don't know what is it, what it is. I've never seen one of those. I, what is it? Vicuna. Uh, Vi like, yeah, I have no idea what that, that is. Okay, that's an interesting moment in the movie. Like you interpret that as like Joe kind of not liking the feeling of taking advantage of her money right and then on he he feels offended when the guy says like oh since they will she's as long as she's, she's paying. paying but then he actually picks that which does is like, he i didn't realize that so it's his lowest right like he he is disgusted by himself but he still chooses the wow wow <laughs> yeah it's interesting, again, like, the whole movie, I'm like, man, you're such an asshole, Joe. But then at the end, he really does make the right choice. He's like, right. I can't take that girl. He's like, I got to get out of here, and I got to move to Ohio and just get a normal job. Like, yeah. he's he finally does figure out the only 
way out for him, which is like the respectable choice. Yeah. So then I'm like, all right, <laughs> it's a little too late, obviously. Yeah. All right. How many Academy Awards did Sunset Boulevard win? Oh, shit. I don't know, but I'm going to guess six. I think it, I think it was nominated for a lot, like like 10 or something like that, but I think it only won three. Correct. Which ones? Best In picture? Writing. Best no. writing, best R- art direction, best music. Probably was best black and white art direction because back then they had like black and white photography really? in our direction and yeah that time would like they had both running wait i can't believe she didn't win best actress it was i think it's only one of the three pictures who had uh three movies that were nominated for the four acting categories that didn't want any that man i mean we all know that stuff doesn't make sense anyway but right. that really doesn't make sense yeah it doesn't it's like come on you guys yeah what kind of money trouble did Gillis have at the beginning of the film. He was his car was getting repossessed and he needed like two hundred and forty dollars, I think. <laughs> Correct. Yay. Yeah. Cool. Good. You know the movie really well. <laughs> uh so now I we have a session, so in this island we get uh offshore we you know, some of the reviews. So this section is just basically you have to defend your movie from like what some reviews Oh my uh, god, fun have said about it. So the title of this review is Nope. So I imagine this is a review that is recent. We 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 tell the scene but not the sinner, so we don't say who wrote the review. Okay. But it says, I can't believe I watched the entire movie just so I could hear Gloria Sansu's famous Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Horrible overacting and I can do without the narrating through the movie. I like it better when it was called Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Is that, what year was this review written in? <laughs> I, I don't know, but I imagine it's like, with a title called Nope, I would say it's like it's a recent viewer or, uh, you know, in the last 10 years. Okay, I have this new theory in life <laughs> and it's that whenever someone is bored or doesn't like something, it's because they're stupid, okay? <laughs> You're stupid. And... This person is stupid and they're not embarrassed about how stupid they are. And I applaud that because I used to be you. I used to know, I used to not care how embarrassing it was that I was stupid. So you'll, he'll, this person will eventually realize that this is embarrassing. But it's just like, you're wrong, bro. I mean, but again, all entertainment is subjective. So maybe you grew up, you know, like, eating i don't know just not you're not normal okay are you usually a harsh critic of when you go see a movie do you because you, you, like so i feel like sometimes like i know how much work it takes to make even a bad movie yeah that even when i really don't like it or i think it's i i also say wow like you know it's before saying dismiss it with one line and saying hey the work of like 200 people is like just a piece of shit or whatever i feel like okay wait a second it has to have something that i like or i i look harder for those um, yeah well that's the other thing about like being a critic in general and not really being thoughtful about it it's like yeah it's easy to sit there and say things suck like it's easy and that's why i don't really i don't have respect for that part i respect people who make things even if they're bad right like take a risk do something cool and in terms of being a critic like how do i view movies i have my bar is pretty low actually it's just very specific it's like 
did I have fun? Did I like this? Because a lot of times I'll see a movie with Dave and he'll be able to break down for me why it was a bad movie. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That was bad. But I'm like, I had fun. So I liked it. Right. So like, what is, how can you compete with it was fun? Like right. that, that's such a success. Even if it's kind of like a bad week story or whatever. Right. I don't know. Totally. I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, all right. So I think like we come to the end and I think uh, the skeleton wants you to do a final, uh, if you could do the final monologue of the movie. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, since it's one of our favorite moments and we'll close it like that. Yes. I don't know if you remember it, but no, I do will, you have the script. I have the script okay. for you. And uh, the, <laughs> the first, uh, they're the same thing. The first one, we just changed our word from picture to podcast. Okay. <laughs> but you can choose whatever you feel. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> oh wait, this is, I can't go on with this scene. I'm too happy. Mr. DeMille, do you mind if I say a few words? Thank you. I want to tell you all how happy I am to be back in the studio making a podcast again. <laughs> you don't know how much I've missed you all. And I promise I'll never desert you again because after Salome, we'll make another podcast and another podcast and another podcast. You see, this is my life and it always will be. There's nothing else, just us and the cameras and those wonderful people out there in the dark. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. <laughs> Yay! Yes! Awesome. I love that when she says she's too happy. It's yeah. like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> such a good moment. Well, thank you so much, Esther. It was awesome having you. Thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah.